As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. to connect to the dead than by telling a ghost story. Not just any ghost story. This is the possession of Rick, a story that has haunted us for the past five years. Originally read on episode 12, Dominus, this is a cautionary tale about what happens when someone loses the fight for their soul. And honestly, I'm a little nervous even talking about this today because... The veil to the other world is at its thinnest, and I really don't want us to get possessed. Or for any of our listeners to get possessed. This is Two Girls, One Ghost, the most haunted podcast in America, and we are your hosts. That is Corinne. Hi. And I am Sabrina. Pull your feet under the covers, grab your protective crystals, and listen to our remastered and reconstructed special, Rick, told by us. But beware. Over the last few years, countless listeners have listened to this story and in doing so have experienced many strange paranormal encounters. So continue at your own risk. This story was sent to us by a listener who wished to protect their identity, so for the purposes of this story, we are going to call her Ashley. It begins. I wanted to tell you a true story of what I experienced in the summer of 2012. Prepare yourselves. This is a long one, but it is probably one of the most unique stories you will ever hear, and to this day, I cannot believe I witnessed this with my own eyes. And for context, I was raised to not believe in ghosts, nor even attempt to communicate with spirits. I definitely won't get upset if anyone doesn't believe me, but I lived through it as clear as day. I don't smoke, drink alcohol, or do any drugs. There was nothing that could have made me hallucinate or make anything up. I also don't have any psychological disorders. The only thing I've ever experienced were two depression episodes, but that's about it. I was 20 years old at the time and I was running around my neighborhood. 
I did that religiously every evening for about an hour. It was an awesome way to relieve stress from working on my biology degree. One evening, as I'm running, I ran into an old friend from high school. Let's call him Rick. As I don't want to give out his real name, since it's quite unique. I ran into Rick on my run, and he stopped me to say hello. Apparently, he lived in my neighborhood. I continued on my way because Rick had this bad boy type of reputation, and I didn't want to be any part of that, or so I thought. The next evening, I go on my run, again, same time, same route, as usual, and there he is waiting for me. So this time, he insisted to go with me on my run, except it turned into a jog because, come on, you can't really run and have a full conversation at the same time. So we catch up, and this encounter becomes a daily thing. About a week later, we begin hanging out at each other's houses, and I begin hanging out with his friends. The first week, I didn't see anything weird. He told me that he was Christian, like me, and was an avid churchgoer. I even went to a youth group event with him and his two friends. Things started getting creepy, little by little. One night, I went over to his house to watch the Miami Heat play in the NBA Finals with him and his friend. He was into music and had a DJ turntable, and I was a musician for 10 years at the time, but had never attempted DJing or producing music. I thought it would be a fun activity to do with Rick, as we quickly went from old friends catching up to unofficially dating. The first weird thing or paranormal thing that occurred was that the MacBook Pro we were using was placed on top of a flat table, and underneath that table was another table with the DJ turntables. I saw, with my own eyes, the laptop close almost completely shut. Being a scientist in training, I was trying to make sense of what I saw, but there was no air that could have closed it, there was nothing behind the laptop. It was paranormal. So I told Rick what I saw, and he said, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, my room is haunted. And I was just shocked at how calm he was about the entire situation. So I said, Well, Rick, pray for some light and love to fill this space so that nothing bad happens to you. Even though I didn't believe in ghosts at the time, I had done my research on them. I mean, come on, I was a scientist in training. I have always had a very curious mind, and even though I am a person who is strong in their faith, I am also very open to learning about other belief systems. So a few days pass and we continue hanging out and things begin to get even more spooky. To sum it up in a rather quick fashion to get to the possession portion of the story, he sent me a video taken on his phone of him proving to me that not only was his room haunted, but he was haunted by some spirit, and he knew it. The video was of him sitting in his friend's house. He placed a cup on the table and then said, Spirit, knock over the cup. And the cup was knocked over. We were on FaceTime one night having a regular conversation when in the background I see a tall black figure with what looked like what the Grim Reaper wears on, a pointy hood with long pointy fingers and it was making these signs with its hands. I googled the demonic signs and same exact signs come up. I took screenshots of what I saw to prove it to him and I saved them on my computer for future reference to prove I wasn't making this story up until Rick got possessed. And for the sake of Sabrina and I not creating a mass possession, uh, these photos have been destroyed from our inbox and will not be shared. Another strange event occurred when we were playing in a big field behind Rick's house. We were playing catch with a baseball. Rick looked at me and told me, 
I wonder what would happen if I wrote to the spirit on this baseball, throw it out into this field, and maybe see if the baseball makes its way back to me? I wasn't comfortable with the idea of summoning anything or making myself open to it, but my curiosity got the best of me. So Rick wrote, hello, and underneath it, I wrote, may the light guide you home. Rick threw the ball as far as he could into the field. It was nighttime, so we really don't know where it went. Then he gave me the pen that we wrote with, and he told me, Take it with you to your house. When the baseball comes back to me and there's a response on it, I don't want you to think that I wrote on it to scare you or something. I said okay, and I took the pen to my house. I made a mark with a permanent marker so I could know that this was the pen we wrote on the baseball with. A few days pass by, and I forget all about the baseball we wrote on. When Rick calls me and tells me, you won't believe what I found as I was walking in the field today. I asked him if it was the baseball, and he said yes. We got a response. The response was, die, bitch. I quickly check if the pen is on my nightstand where I left it, and it was nowhere to be found. So I rushed over to see the baseball, and the handwriting did not match his. I told him the pen was missing, and upon further analysis of the baseball, the handwriting, and the words, the response was written in the same shade as our handwriting, meaning it was written with the same pen. I freaked out and told him, I really don't want to keep chasing this thing. We should leave things alone. Please don't bring up this topic, not even in conversation. Well, things got worse. He picked me up in his car one morning to get breakfast at a Cuban cafe nearby, and on his way to drop me off, he was talking funny. He was using words I'd never heard him use before, and he kept insisting that he had a middle name when in fact I knew he didn't have one. He also began speaking in third person. Mind you, he was the one driving. It wasn't until the car stopped when we arrived at my house that I realized that I had been speaking with an entity, the entity that was possessing Rick. I brushed everything off when I got home, and I kept telling myself that maybe Rick was just playing a joke on me and he just wanted to scare me. I decided to cut things off with him and to speak to him less. About a week passes by, and I will never forget the next thing that I'm about to tell you. This interaction is forever ingrained in my memory, and I honestly wish that I could delete it from my brain. So Rick calls me and tells me, I'm outside of your house. Come outside, please. It's one in the morning, and my strict parents would probably be upset if I did that. They weren't too fond of him because he had this bad boy vibe, like I said before, but I said, okay. So I go outside and he's standing in front of me. In the middle of the conversation, his eyes roll back and he falls to the floor. I kneel beside him and I ask him if he's okay. He's screaming in pain for a few minutes and then he stands up as if this little episode never happened. And he says, hello. I said, hi there, Rick. What happened? And he says, nothing happened. I said, okay, well, do you remember just now your eyes rolled back and all I could see was the whites of your eyes? You're not in pain? He says, nope, I don't feel pain. Do you know who I am? Yes, well, you're Rick Ackerman. Rick, no, I am not Rick. I am... 
For the sake of not revealing or repeating the actual name of the entity, we have decided to refer to this demon as Damon for the rest of the story. I said, okay, Damon, what happened to Rick? This is my body now. I'm here because you won't listen. You're too good for him. You're changing him in good ways, and I cannot allow you to destroy my work. I need this body. I said, okay, well, what are you? You're not a demon because I'm sure a demon wouldn't converse as calmly as you are right now. So tell me what you are. I was not human. I was not male or female. I am a fallen angel. So you work for the devil? Yes. Okay, well, prove it to me. How do I know that you are what you say you are, and I'm not speaking to Rick, who is possibly playing a joke on me? Tell me something only I know. Last Christmas, you were getting to know a guy. It was the first Christmas without your uncle alive because he had just passed away. And instead of spending it with your family, Christmas Eve, your most favorite holiday of them all, you chose to spend Christmas Eve with this guy and his family. And you were so disappointed because you figured out that he wasn't who he said he was. He's actually a devil worshiper and didn't pray for the food before eating it. In fact, nobody in his family prayed for the food. Yet you bowed your head and you prayed to your God. You thanked him for the food you were about to eat, and you thanked him for the blessings in your life. My eyes teared up. I never told anyone that that had happened. I never told anyone about the time that I prayed quietly for my food while everyone around me kept trying to disturb me as I was praying. And after, they all looked at me funny and asked what I was doing and why I did it. It was the first time in my life that I outwardly expressed my faith and was questioned about it. I didn't mind it, but it made me sad because I should have been with my family and not with some guy and his family that I'd just met. Christmas or Easter are sacred holidays for me and my family. So I said, okay, Damon, well, it is true. That did happen and I never told anyone about it. Not even Rick, not even my parents, not even a single soul. But how do I know that you have the power to possess someone like you did to Rick here? And Damon said, earlier today, I was at the Marlins Stadium. I was with a family of four, a mom, a dad, two kids. You want to know what I told the dad to do? I told him to complete suicide. I sat right beside him the entire game and whispered in his ear. I told him, Stop it! I've heard enough out of you! Do you want to know how I look like? No. You know you do. Come closer to me. I'm going to put my hands on the side of your head, and I will whisper to you. No, 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 I'm not going to do it. Really? You're not curious? Okay, fine. But if you try to hurt me, God will condemn you to hell and you will never leave. I know God stands with me and beside me. I know he refuses to let you hurt me in any way. You're right about that. I couldn't possess any of your family members, let alone step foot into your house. The faith and light in your home is too bright. It burns even if I try to get close. This entire neighborhood, though, it is full of darkness, and I can walk freely here. So I let him put his hands on my head, and he begins to whisper, and it sounds as if the snake is talking to me. At first, it's all in a language that I don't understand. 
I'm fluent in Spanish and I'm very advanced in French and I also understand Portuguese and Italian and even some Hebrew, but I can only speak very little of it. I can read some Latin or even understand it and I've always been fascinated by languages, so I would have recognized the language if it were Latin or any of those Latin-based languages. The phonetic sounds of the language he was speaking was as if a snake was talking. How do I explain this via email? I, I just can't explain it. All I can tell you is that it was an ancient language. After a few seconds, I began to understand the language, and although it sounded like English mixed with snake sounds, I don't remember what was said for sure, but I began getting a vision of a green pasture, and once I began getting this vision, I pulled back and I said, that's enough of your games with me. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I rebuke you and all that you are. May God have mercy on your soul, and may you go back to where you came from. You are not allowed to be near me anymore. Not you, and not Rick. And then he backed up and he said, Oh, really? So that's how it's going to be? And I said, Yes. I'm going to count to ten, and if you're not out of my sight, I will come get whoever is awake from inside of this house to come see you for what you are and your identity will be revealed. And he said, Look, I will leave you alone, on one condition. You delete all photos you have of me on your laptop. I know you saw me, and I know you took screenshots. Get rid of them. I said, okay, deal. I shook his hand and said, now leave. He starts running full speed, faster than I've ever seen any human run before. And then as he gets three houses down, he throws himself on the floor. Damon was trying to hurt the human body that he had possessed. I quickly run inside and I tell my older sister to get in the car and drive me to Rick's house. He lived in the front of the green field, which was around the corner, four houses down from mine. My sister gets in the car, doesn't ask me questions, and we both witness Rick hitting his own body against the concrete behind his house over and over. I put the car window down and I shout, leave Rick alone, Damon. My friend then disappears into his house. I finally get home and my sister, a double major in psych and biology, tells me to tell her everything that has happened. She pulls out the DSM and tries to diagnose me with a psychological disorder. I tell her, are you kidding me? I'm not crazy, I don't know drugs, I don't smoke, I don't drink. Everything I experienced was real and you don't believe me? How? You've experienced things yourself. Our cousin, who is a pastor, has performed exorcisms before. This is real, and this happened to me. Needless to say, my sisters don't believe me to this day, nor do my parents. But fast forward to fall of 2014. I began an official relationship with my now husband. His mother believes in spirits and saints, and she believes in black magic, and may or may not practice it. She sees a psychic medium once a month religiously. She pulls me aside away from my husband, his brother, and anyone else within earshot of the conversation, and tells me, I went to the psychic medium and you came up in the reading. I have a message for you. Everything you experienced that summer, it was real. I told her, okay, it's good to know that someone believes me and that what I experienced was real, but please do not ever relay messages from a psychic or any of the sorts again. I cannot open myself up to that world ever again. It has only brought negative things to my life. To be honest, I was absolutely traumatized after that happened. I couldn't sleep for months because I kept replaying the conversation in my head, seeing the black figure and the pointy fingers whenever I would close my eyes. 
and I fell into this depression for about a year after that because my parents didn't believe me, nor did my sisters. I never spoke to Rick after that. I completely pushed him away and I blocked his number on my phone, even blocked him on all social media. I wanted nothing to do with him after that encounter. I decided that my life had no room for whatever darkness was attached to him. So, about two years passed by, and I caught up with an old friend who I will call Bella. We had been friends since we were 10, but at this point I believe we were 22 or 23 years old and I hadn't spoken to her in about five to six years. But I had seen her around school because she was also a biology major. So I still had her as a friend on Facebook and I messaged her one day to ask her about future courses I was going to take and if she had taken any of those courses yet. Well, one thing led to another and we began talking about our goals, our friends, you know, just catching up. At this point in time, she had become very religious, which was different for her because when I originally met her growing up, she didn't believe in anything. So I asked her about the church she was going to and if she liked going there. She tried to get me to go, but I never went because the denomination of Christianity I'm a part of was very different from hers and I didn't want to feel uncomfortable if I went to her church. I wanted to feel 110% secure in my faith because I was just so sick of being depressed and scared due to the entire possession experience I had been through. So even though I didn't take her up on the offer to visit her church, she explained to me that her denomination of Christianity believes that God gives us gifts. And she even directs me to the verses in the Bible that speak about it. Specifically, there is a gift of discerning spirits. And according to what she told me, her church believes that those chosen to have that gift can feel the energy and aura of a person or even see the spirits attached to that person. My denomination of Christianity acknowledges those gifts exist, but do not encourage church members in developing them because it can risk the person opening doors and inviting negative energies. It makes sense if you think about it. If you're trying to open a door to let you develop your gift, how do you protect yourself against negative spirits if you're still a baby in developing it? So she was telling me about the gifts in the Bible and I told her about the entire possession experience because I felt as if she could give me advice on how to get through the aftermath of such an experience. But you wanna know what she told me when I told her Rick was involved? that Rick was attending her church and she invited him over one day along with several members of young adult groups of her church to come to her house for a game night and for Bible study. When he walked into her house, he said hello to her mother and then he went to say hello to her brother and shook his hand. When her brother made eye contact with him, he smiled and walked away. The rest of the time that he was at her house, her brother seemed distant from the group, and I believe that he left and went to a friend's house. He didn't even want to be in the same house as him. So her brother comes back home a few hours later when everyone has left, and Bella asks her brother why he left so suddenly, and he told her that when he looked into Rick's eyes, what he saw was the scariest image he'd ever seen in his entire life. So Bella asks her brother to describe what he saw, and he described the same exact figure from my screenshots. Black, pointy hat, long, skinny fingers, making weird hand signals. In the end, she changed to a new church and never let Rick come over to her house again. She trusted what I told her and what her brother had seen. I haven't spoken to her in months now, and we never spoke about this again after that conversation. 
After writing the initial email to you girls, I couldn't sleep that night. I was so paranoid. My husband was trying his best to remind me that Rick is not in my life anymore and it's okay because the dark entity cannot get me or into our home. But it's always in the back of my mind. This is the first time I've ever fully written the story out and it has given me true anxiety. But I did it to show you ladies that possession is real. It can happen if you aren't careful and if you surround yourself with people who are dark on the inside. I believe this experience has a huge lesson in it, and I also believe it happened to me so that I may share it with others. To prevent this from happening, we need to surround ourselves with light and love, good people and positivity, and we must be aware of the energy that others around us give off. We hope you enjoyed this spooky retelling of Rick from episode 12, Dominus, and we wish you a happy Halloween from Two Girls, One Ghost. And we will see you on the other side. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The biggest international festival for the business of podcasting is back. The Podcast Show London will bring together thousands of podcast creators under one roof on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Also featuring major industry players, global brands and some of the most iconic voices in podcasting. Plus creator meetups, networking and an evening festival of unmissable live shows. Passes from £89. Book yours now at thepodcastshowlondon.com. Podcast Show London.